Warning, some material may be inappropriate for small children and easily offended adults with sensitive ears. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, and welcome to the second episode of Billy Bob the Podcast, brought to you by Hammered Weekend Wear and Precision Auto Wiring. Make sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a like and a follow. This episode is titled The Origin of Billy Bob. I am going to tell you all about how I got the nickname Billy Bob, how it came to be. I'm also going to have an interview with a very good friend of mine, Galen Johnson. We talk about his hometown of Aberdeen, also reminisce about some road trips that we took, share some good laughs, talk about his current builds. I'm sure you'll enjoy it and guarantee you'll probably laugh at least once. If you don't, you really don't have a sense of humor. Before doing so, I would like to thank all the people that took the time out of their day to listen to my first episode and give feedback. I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Also, I plan on releasing this podcast every two weeks. And as of right now, being as busy as I am, I plan on having a guest interview every other episode so I will put out an episode with a guest then two weeks later I will have story time then two weeks later an episode with a guest and so on and so on and so on I don't think it's that hard to get what I'm telling you you can also follow me on Instagram at Billy Bob the podcast like me on Facebook you guessed it Billy Bob the podcast so how did the nickname Billy Bob come to be well it all revolves around me getting into mini trucks and joining a mini truck club When I was young, I really wasn't into mini trucks much. The first body shop I worked at, it was called the Auto Spa in Aberdeen, Washington. We did a lot of work on mini trucks, a lot of Chevy Loves, Nissan 720s. We'd shave the door handles. Back then, we'd take the key cylinder and we would modify the lock rod to hook to the door latch. So you would just put your key in and then that would pop the door open. Most of the time, we'd leave it on the driver's door only and completely shave the passenger's door. We'd also take off the bed hooks and move the gas filler to the inside of the bed, usually in the back of the fender well, shave the side marker lights, take the tailgate latches off or tailgate handles. And it's funny because I'd walk across the street, there was a hardware store, and I would buy screen door latch handles and put them in the inside corners of the bed, and that's what would hold the tailgate shut. Also put on a few radical tops, convertible top kits, both hard top and the soft top convertibles. Did some custom painting on those trucks. But I really wasn't much into mini trucks at that time. I was more into muscle cars. While I worked at that body shop, I owned a 70 Firebird. And I will tell a story about that car in a later episode. After that, I went to work for Larry Foss at Foss's Hot Rods. I mentioned that in the first episode. And while working there, I would also do custom body work and paint out of my parents' garage. At the time, I had this good friend of mine, Jerry Johnson, that was my best friend in high school and right out of school. He had a 78 to 81 Toyota pickup, and we slammed that thing down as low as we could get it. I also did a lot of custom body work on it. I shaved the door handles, the indent that's in the side there, the cab vent, and then had a piece of sheet metal rolled up that covered the side of the bed where the indent was, where the bed hooks were, shaved the top of the bed sides. I welded up the tailgate, and I had a skin made that would cover the tailgate and a roll pan, pretty much a Cali combo before Cali combos were a thing. Welded up the three-piece front bumper, and later on, put it in a coat of PPG DP90 epoxy primer which is a flat black color. 
Now, for lowering, this will make you laugh or maybe not make you laugh. I don't care if it makes you laugh or not. I'm going to tell you what we did. We took all the torsion bars and shocks out of the front. I took one-inch rubber and a hole saw and cut these pucks out. There was a puck on top of, in between of, and on the bottom of the lower A-arm on a mount with a long bolt going through. And that's how it rode. Yes, with the rubber. That was it. No spring, no torsion bar, no shock, just rubber. In the back, took the second longest leaf spring, flipped it upside down on the main leaf spring, clamped them together, put the bolt through it, put them back in, cut the bump stop down, and that's how it rode in the back. I did add a small C-notch. The bump stop rode inside the C-notch, and that was it. It rode on rubber, and let me tell you, it was a rough ride going down the road. It was a kidney buster. Probably like riding a bull in a rodeo. It would buck you all over the place and bounce you, and yes, you would get a sore back after taking it on a cruise, but hey, it was low. A little bit later, looking underneath the cab, I kind of channeled it a little bit by taking out the cab mounts, adding washers in there, bumping up the floor in a few spots with a hammer so it would clear some things, and then lowered the cab on the frame about three quarters to an inch. Then in the back, cut off the bed mounts on the frame, lowered those down the same amount, and then notched one bed rail so it would clear the frame, and kind of did a sort of body drop without cutting the floor or anything. And that truck was low. It was so low that when you would go down the highway, all the little turtles that are in the road, well, if you switched lanes and bounced up and down in the truck, those things would shoot out the back. And that's how it rode all the time, that low, static. No adjustable suspension, no air ride, no hydraulics. We ended up putting some <laughs> wire hubcaps off of a Ford Thunderbird. They were kind of a cone wire hubcap and then had a spinner knockoff on the end and kind of stuck out. When you'd go down the road behind it, kind of looked like a gladiator chariot, those things spinning outside the fender wells like that. As time went on, he eventually had the door panels and seat reupholstered in a kind of burgundy, dark red, velour, velvet material, tuck and roll. Kind of had that real hot rod look to it. The tires on it were a 195 or 185 14 tire, thin one inch white wall on them. It was kind of a cool truck for the time. But again, I wasn't super into mini trucks at that time, but I did have fun working on them. That was in the late 80s there when he had that truck. I remember going to a local little corner store called CNS Grocery in Elma, Washington. And the first thing I would always do when going to a store, grocery store, anything like that, is head right for the magazine rack. <laughs> I was a magazine junkie, still kind of a magazine junkie, but especially back then I was. And I remember picking up this magazine, it said mini trucking on top. I flipped through the pages and decided to buy that issue. Well, at the time, I didn't realize that that was the very first issue of mini trucking. I didn't know that until about five years later when the fifth anniversary came out. I was flipping through the pages of it and saw what the cover of the first issue was and went, oh, I have that issue. Of course, I had a few pictures torn out of it hanging up on the wall. So I went back, took those pages off the wall and taped them back in the magazine so that the magazine was complete. Since then, I got another better issue of the first issue of Mini Trucking. I ended up giving that first issue with the taped in photos as a gift to uh, my good buddy Ron that owns Hammered Weekend Wear. But anyways, I was doing work out of my parents' garage, and about that same time, a neighbor around the corner, he was a little older than me, his name was Pat Miller, and he was president of a club called Mini Toys, and it was a mini truck club. They had a lot of Mazdas and some other trucks, mostly just static drop lowered, fender trim, and all the bolt-on goodies that were popular at the time, and mini trucking was becoming more and more popular and popular popularity. 
At that same time, my mom and dad had a pest control business, and they had an 86 Mazda pickup that was a route truck. Well, after about three years, the lease was up on that truck, and my dad was going to give it back and trade it in on a new truck. Well, we worked out a deal, and I ended up paying off the rest of that lease and getting this truck, and decided that since I was doing bodywork and paint out of my mom and dad's garage, under the name Moles Custom Paint and Body, thought this truck would be a great little project, lower it down, maybe do a custom paint job on it, and use it for advertising of Moles Custom Paint and Body. I started looking through many trucking magazines and trucking magazine and came across ground effects and shells and started really looking at mini trucks. And well, the thing kind of just snowballed a little. Next thing you know, it was all tore apart, had custom ground effects kit on it, custom grill, everything shaved and smooth, custom wheels, and put a paint job on it. It was mint green with pink and turquoise scallops. I know it sounds funny, but at the time it was fitting. That's what was in. After I got that truck finished, I was driving around in Aberdeen and, and happened to see some friends that I knew. Well, they had mini trucks too, and they pulled into the AMPM parking lot where I was getting gas and invited me to a truck show. Okay, it wasn't necessarily a mini truck show. It was actually a van run called Memorial Madness that was on Memorial Weekend in Malino, Oregon. I went to this show with them in Malino. Later, I'll share a trip about that first show and the adventure of getting there and going to that show. But I got there and realized that hey all these guys in mini trucks they were more my age I got along with them good and so I decided to join that club exclusive innovations and one of those members his name was Jason Hayes or Jace as we called him and he'd often come up and help me on my Mazda I was always detailing it more, painting undercarriage pieces, engine pieces, and he'd come up and give me a hand. Well, one day he stopped by with this younger kid. I call him a kid because he was a kid at the time. And his name was Galen Johnson. I believe he had a Vita bug at the time. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure he'll probably correct me if that's not true. Later on, Galen ended up joining the club, and as the years went by, we became really good friends. Well, he must be a good friend because he let me use him as a guinea pig for my first interview here on my podcast, so yeah, I would say he's a good friend. That club, Exclusive Innovations, we were a pretty tight group of friends. Back then, we'd often have get-togethers, go to shows together, a lot of times 15 to 20 vehicles and trucks deep. We'd get together a lot on the weekends, help each other on our vehicles. Most of the time, it was at a friend of ours named Josh Leahy. He lived in Grayland, Washington. We worked on our stuff out there most of the time because he was the only one of us that had a great big shop. (laughs) So that helped out a lot, having a big shop instead of a little home garage or no garage at all. We were young. Most of us didn't own houses in that back then. A lot of us still lived with parents. So we would go out there to Josh's house and we'd work on our trucks. By that time, I'd moved into this small house that was next to the railroad tracks in Elma, Washington, a little town, and it was four little 12 by 12 railroad stations put together. It's kind of funny because you could look at the roof and you could see the four dips the where the little shacks had been put together. Well, next to the house was a big garage, way bigger than the house, and I would do custom work out of that garage. And people that lived in the city of Aberdeen, which Aberdeen isn't a real city, but compared to the population of Elma it is, well, they'd always joke around when they'd come to visit and call the place Hillbilly Hot Rods or Joe Jack's Hack Shack due to the fact that I lived in a small town and they lived in great big Aberdeen. So it was kind of always a joke. Around that time, we'd have get-togethers, like I said, and one of the big pranks that we would play on each other when we'd go to visit each other's houses was back then we had this thing they were called answering machines much like voicemail on your cell phone now but these sat on your counter and you recorded a greeting just like you do on voicemail and then people would leave messages on it when they called 
One of our favorite things to do was to hack into somebody's answering machine when they weren't looking and leave a different greeting. We do things such as Joe's Meat Market, Nobody Beats Our Meat, or like, if this is the UPS man, please deliver my case of KY to my back door, that kind of thing. So, and it, oftentimes, whoever's answering machine it was, they wouldn't realize that the message was changed for a week or two until somebody actually said, hey, nice message on your machine. After a while, you started checking your message after things because it came so common that it was kind of just one of those things you would check your machine to make sure nobody messed with it. Pretty much the best person at that was Galen. He was the master of leaving messages. He also did a great Beavis and Butthead impression, and a lot of times it'd just be Beavis and Butthead on your machine. It's pretty funny. Well, he managed to hack mine a couple times when he was there. First one being something along the lines of, you just reach Joe's house, I use tractors. We have John Deere's, we have cases. And it went on and on. And then there was a part that said something along the lines of, we have ditch witches, we have back hose, you can even ditch witch a hose. So if you're looking for a tractor, make sure you come on down. I can't remember that one exactly, but I do remember a couple parts of it and thought it was pretty funny. But the second one, I wish I could remember it all, but it pretty much played a big part in the main reason of how Billy Bob and Billy Bob Custom came to be because the message on that one went along the lines of you've reached billy bob customs outback hack shack we put the dough in bondo so if you're tired of rolling deep in your primered heap leave a message after the beep <laughs> it was pretty funny i left it on there for quite a while and like i said our club would get together and help each other on our vehicles and after that a lot of times we just refer to working on those as billy bob customs so people started saying hey going out billy bob customs someone's working on a vehicle this weekend so it just became a big joke after that a friend of mine scott heller and i we were in olympia washington fred myers and back then fred myers had this machine and you could put in five dollars and have business cards made like design your own business card and they weren't quite the exact size of a business card they were a little shorter but they were the same height and we had some billy bob customs business cards made and it said billy bob customs at the top and then it said phone number and just had a line you could write in your own phone number we also put my name on there, and we put Josh Leahy's name on there. So the original Billy Bob Customs business card had both my name and Josh Leahy's name. Like I said, it was kind of more a joke back then. We just had them made up because it was easy to do at a Fred Meyer little vending machine thing that was there every year we would put on a yearly show eventually that show would turn into a three-day weekend event we even had lance marts of mini trucking magazine fly in and shoot coverage of it one year and we have an article in mini trucking back then we'd make our own trophies for that show that particular year we used 12 inch by 12 inch mirrored tiles we cut a corner off and another club member of ours named darren gruby May he rest in peace. He did woodwork, and he cut these bases for it, and they had an angle slit that he put in there that would hold the mirror, and then covered them with flexstone paint, and then the mirror would sit in there kind of like a trophy. We decided for the mirrored glass that we would get etched glass decals, or decals for all you Canadians, so you understand what I'm talking about. And we went to the shop in Olympia, Washington. While we were there getting these etched decals made, we decided that, hey, it would be cool to get a windshield banner made for a pickup. Well, Galen had this bright yellow Nissan 720 at the time, and I'd done quite a bit of work on it. Josh had done quite a bit of work on it, and we thought it'd be cool to get a yellow Billy Bob Customs windshield banner made for the top of the windshield. So we asked the guy if he could do that, and he did, and we got this banner and put it on Galen's truck. It stayed on there for quite a while. It was pretty much a permanent fixture, and that was the very first Billy Bob Customs windshield banner. 
Galen would go to shows and he'd enter hydraulic competitions and he'd do pretty good and then people would ask him about the work on the truck and he'd talk about it. Oftentimes he'd point to me or talk about me. Then people would come over and they'd say, hey, are you that Billy Bob guy that did the work on that yellow Nissan? <laughs> and I'd just laugh and I'd say yes and we'd start talking from there. Pretty soon it just became more and more. Shortly after that, I moved to Aberdeen, Washington, and I lived right next door to AMPM, and that house became pretty much the club hangout. People would come over and visit all the time. It was right there on the main road. They'd park at my house, walk across the street to AMPM, get the little two cheap hamburgers or corn dogs and an icy or slurp or whatever it is AMPM sells, and they would come back to my house, hang out and visit, eat their AMPM food. My garbage can was always just plumb full of AMPM trash. But anyways, back to the story. At that time, my dad also had a softball team. My dad loved softball and coaching softball. Because he had a pest control company, his softball team was named the Eliminators. They were a, a tournament team. All the best players from around the area were on that team. They would go to tournaments all over the state and around the Northwest and usually win. They were the best of the best, like I said. Well, that didn't leave much room for us kids <laughs> or people like me that really can't play softball at all to be on his team. So my dad decided that he would have an Eliminators 2, and that was a lower division team that his kids could play on, my brothers and I and some other friends that we could just go and have fun and play some softball and have a good time. Well, we got some team jerseys or shirts, and for a joke on the back of mine, I put the name Billy Bob up above a number 7 because that was my number. I did that more for a joke. I remember my mom saying, I gave you a perfectly good and nice name like Christopher, and you go by Billy Bob. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I think it's pretty funny. And not too long after that, some friends of mine, Scott Heller and Matt Holcomb and I, we crammed into my Mazda pickup and we took a 20-some hour trip to La Paz County Park in Parker, Arizona to Endless Summer 1996. While we were there, there was a guy that had a booth making stickers. So from there came the Billy Bob Customs windshield banner that was on my Mazda when it was peach. My truck wasn't peach at the time, it was just primered, but I knew I wanted to paint it peach, so we had a peach sticker made for it. And for a joke underneath the Billy Bob Customs, it said, give us your cash, it sits in the grass. Because really, like I said back then, we treated it more as a joke. It wasn't really a serious thing. It was just something we all did and thought it was funny. From there, the name just kind of grew and it just stuck. I started doing work under the name Billy Bob Customs, had some actual legit business cards made. More and more people started referring to me as Billy Bob. Looking back, it was probably one of the best things I could have done trying to grow a business and get my name big. There's a million Chris's out there, but how many Billy Bobs do you know? People just sort of remember that name. After a while, I just used it to my advantage. I started signing everything with either Billy Bob or two capital B's, BB, and it just grew from there. And that, my friends, pretty much wraps up how I got the nickname Billy Bob and how Billy Bob Customs came to be. Well, now for the part that you've all been waiting for. I'm sure that's for me to quit rambling on about myself and actually get to this episode's guest. So without further ado, I've got Mr. DJ Jazzy G-Ride, Galen Johnson on the phone. Welcome to my podcast. How's it going? Not bad, not bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a beautiful, fine Sunday afternoon here. Yeah, I think the weather's pretty nice here, too. I'm in a little sound room here, so I couldn't tell you what the weather looks like outside, and I haven't looked yet today. Yeah, I'm but... locked in my bathroom. <laughs> Acoustics. Yes, very good. It's very high-end here. <laughs> so, 
So hopefully that's all you're in the bathroom for while we're recording here, but uh, you can do whatever you want. Nobody can see you. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I'm, I'm wearing my best dress today. Just everything's looking good. <laughs> it's a nice thing about nobody being able to see you and wear whatever you want. That's true. <laughs> you can sit there with a, your dong Very, and a thong uh, with your legs up on the desk. It don't matter. Yeah, it's easy going. I'm just got to make sure I get everything, you know, everything tamed down before the work week starts. So I was uh, telling the listeners about how we first became friends. And since I know pretty much everything about you, well, maybe not everything, but enough. Why don't you fill the listeners in a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and maybe what first got you started in the custom automotive scene? All right. Well, I'm uh, 46 years old. I'm from Aberdeen, Washington. I uh, first got started back in uh, high school. My first truck was a 1976 Toyota Hilux uh, long bed, standard cab pickup. First mod I did to that with the help of my shop teacher would have been three inch drop, uh, three inch blocks in the back, heated springs, and then soon to follow, now get you ready for this, this was custom back then, <laughs> wheel covers. Oh wheel yes, covers at that. good old wheel cover hubcaps. Oh yeah, yeah, I was rolling on a, on a budget back then, but uh, no, that was my first ride, got it when I was Christmas of, I think my 16th birthday, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It was yeah. a good time. Live in the good old town of Aberdeen. I grew up there myself up until about six years ago. Some famous stuff come out of Aberdeen besides just me and you. Got the band like when I was in high school before Nirvana. You know, everybody knows Nirvana's from Aberdeen. But we had a the metal band Metal Church, who, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated metal bands there is out there. But it was pretty cool when I was right out of high school. The first body shop that I worked at, the owner played guitar. And actually, a guy that I went to school with that I worked with there, his name was Bob. McFadden, who was actually in the first band with Kurt and Chris before Nirvana. It was like a couple months. They were like a Credence Clearwater tribute band or something. But anyways, they played music, and old Kurt Vanderhoof from Metal Church, he'd come by all the time and hang out and visit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They were kind of my hometown hero when I was in school because I was in school before Nirvana. I went to school with Chris and Kurt from Nirvana until Kurt dropped out. They were a couple grades ahead of me. I think that was kind of cool. There's a lot of cool things. Yeah, you're right. Very much so that came out of here. And I actually uh, have some fond memories of, of like Metal Church and Nirvana myself being, we're a few years different in age and whatnot. Living at home, I lived actually outside Aberdeen in a little country area. And um, my cousin used to roadie for him. And I was a drummer, started playing drums when I was in the fourth grade. And I always liked drumming and so forth. And my mom had said that my cousin was going to come by with a drummer from the band that he roadied for. And I thought, okay, cool. Well, I had never heard of the band. I mean, back then I was like thinking of Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister and all that stuff. But anyway, I came back from my bicycle ride just to find a uh, piece of paper signed by Kurt Vanderhoof and uh, whatnot. And it was along with a Metal Church poster. And then years later, here, I think it's been seven or eight years ago, I actually got to see Metal Church live here in town, which was pretty neat. And then also growing up with the whole, you know, Aberdeen famous for Nirvana, that's probably the most publicized one and what have you, but being a kid drummer as well, and uh, I was at home uh, during the summer being babysitted, I was probably 12 or 13 years old, and I got taken into town uh, by my babysitter, and I was able to actually watch Nirvana play in a garage way back when. It was pretty wild. Yeah, I remember way back then, like right out of high school, and they actually used to go by the name Skid Row for a short time, and I think they had a couple other names, and then I'm not sure if they changed their name from Skid Row because the actual Skid Row became big that known Skid Row or they just did it because or who, who knows I know they went through a few weird names one of them being Fecal Matter <laughs> right well yeah yeah nothing nothing can you can't go wrong there that's always a good starter there <laughs> yeah, yeah what a name for a band that'd make it big 
Yeah, and then we've got like, uh, what's there, the Lady Washington, the pirate ship that was used in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and Star Trek movies. I don't know if it still is, but that used to be docked there right when you pulled into Aberdeen all the time. Yep, yep, still there. No, it's it's quite the sight. I mean, you know, we have so much to offer here in our fine city, so <laughs> it's... Uh... About the only attraction there is there. <laughs> right, exactly, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so much and so much, but, you know, yeah, definitely something to see, that's for sure. With Nirvana, they consider it the birthplace of grunge. From the late 1800s and early 1900s, it was actually considered the hellhole of the Pacific because of all the brothels and gambling and saloons that were there in Aberdeen. It, they'd say it was quite the wild place. It's kind of still kind of a, a dirty, rundown town. I'm sure there's people living there now that will be like, why do you say that about our town for? <laughs> Oh, I know. It's kind of crazy, you know, and I do remember back, you know, obviously this in this day and age is a little different from when you and I grew up, but there actually was a a, uh, a good actual cruise scene on either, on any random Friday or Saturday night where we used to cruise around downtown, and uh, the two one-ways, yeah, it was pretty neat. We used to always meet up out there in the um, the parking lot next to, to Godfather's Pizza. I remember that. Oh. I, I was there a few times. I used to go more towards Olympia and Centralia, but yeah, I did spend a few nights in Aberdeen cruising, sitting in the old Godfather's parking lot. That's Correct, yeah, and had the local mini truck clubs there. There was, oh, that had been a, there was a, well, you being Elma, that was mini intuitions, was it not? Uh, Elma was mini toys. Mini toys, that's yep. what it was. Mini intuitions was the Aberdeen club before we all joined and started exclusive innovations. That's right, that's right, and that's the time that I had joined, and then I had my, uh, my 64 bug. Yes, the old bug. The yellow <laughs> one, yeah. Good, good times, learned, uh, learned how to hate Volkswagens then, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So I like really good food, and I plan on asking every guest on the episodes, being I live there, kind of know there ain't much to choose from, but what's your favorite place to eat there in Aberdeen, Grays Harbor area? Bar none would be the Blue Beacon Restaurant and Lounge. It's good bar food, good diner food, huge portions, and just, just good food, man. And it's small, and you know primarily you always know somebody when you're there. Yeah. It's like cheers. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, the Blue Beacon. My uncle Lance was a cook there for many years until he passed away. Oh yeah, they. Uh, yeah, no, definitely good food, man. They're uh, they whatever you want. They usually got and uh, I just after everything gets fired back up here after this whole uh, issue we're going on with right now, and hopefully they'll get back to being a full swing so I can get over there and have some breakfast. Definitely a good place to eat. I know a lot of people like Billy's there too. Billy's is good. Billy's yep. is good. Used to be a whorehouse back in the day. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was consequently, I was going to say there's the uh, there are two um, on the same block, all the one block down from Billy's, there's opposite apartments, and I used to deliver furniture for a company, and we also did carpet installations. However, I just did the uh, the tear outs, and I worked in two of the uh, the old brothels, and got a chance to see what they were actually like. Yeah, definitely interesting to know that you live in a town that was highly highly uh, looked and sought after for a fine class of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing talent yes that's if you read history book you often hear that or read it i guess that it was well known for all that kind of stuff like they said the hellhole of the pacific <laughs> yep, yep. yeah so. yeah there are a lot of good books on it that's for sure <laughs> yeah there is so if somebody visits their aberdeen grays harbor area is there anything that they should definitely do or see while they're there wow um you know i would say that you got to take a trip under the bridge Go check that out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, there's the Kurt Cobain Memorial Park's pretty pretty neat little uh, history there. A lot of good sites and good good scenery around if you you know where to find it and whatnot. But I always recommend uh, Home Depot on an early Sunday morning. 
<laughs> there you go, Walmart people watching. Yeah, so, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's even better. Oh, yeah, especially there in Aberdeen. <laughs> well, enough about Aberdeen. People want to know more. They can Google Aberdeen. You'll find out whatever you want to know. That's right. So we'll get on with something else. You ready for 20 questions here? Let's go. All right. I know that we talked about your first vehicle, but you've had many other vehicles since then. A lot of little cool customs. I remember the Toyota Celica, white with the purple Grimace spooge looking slime <laughs> all over it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, well, you were, you were the owner of that for a short time, too, weren't you? No, I never owned that. I never owned the Celica. Oh, that's, uh, that's right. No, we ended up, right, I ended up trading you, oh, no, no, I ended up trading you the Chevy Love, the 70 for the Capri. I actually forgot about the Chevy Love, tilt bed Chevy yep. Love. And uh, then I traded the Capri for the old uh, Celica. Yeah, that thing was a real... <laughs> She was a beaut, Clark. <laughs> oh, yes. I just remember white with all the purple slime stuff all over it. And everybody oh, yeah. referred to it as Grimace Spooge. And for those that don't know what Grimace is, that was a McDonald's character from when we were younger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, some people pre- are probably like, who's Grimace? <laughs> it was like, a, Grimace was like an early Barney. Same color and everything. <laughs> Pretty much. Huh? Yeah. That yeah. was that was the awesome ride. Just, I remember like 13 inch <laughs> wheels and just dumped on the bump stops and kidney buster. Oh, yeah. and, and it then, was a good time. I know the other day I saw you posted a picture of your red little Honda, what, Civic with the hydros on it? Yeah, that was my, uh, would have been my 91 Civic at the three-door hatch. And uh, at the time I worked in an audio shop and had access to pretty much whatever I wanted to throw in there as far as sound went. And I had a set of, uh, I always liked the skating look way back when. I had a set of uh, 13 by 7 American Racing Stars. I was, I liked wires, but there was always so much maintenance. And I think they were like, what was that, like a 175, 50, 13 and no fender trim nothing like that just straight red Shane Williams actually gold plated the emblems for me I remember that he had his gold plating kit and then I took out the back seat and I had two pumps three batteries and that thing rode like a tank it was fun (laughs) and then of course the yellow Nissan which I talked about earlier on the origin of Billy Bob prior to our little interview here yeah no that's how it all got started right there if I had to pick that's that's definitely one of my favorite rides for sure it was the first go around with hydraulics matter of fact you were the one that put the first cylinder in it and we did that at your grandpa's uh, place i remember that the old stick welder fired up out in in front of the uh front of the barn there and uh yeah i had one cylinder and i thought i was the coolest thing ever and it was uh yeah, it was good it was fun yeah, I, I remember back in the good old days when you were just about to have fun and didn't really worry about anything else. Exactly. And then the F-150, what was that, the 97, I think, when they first came out? Uh, that was a 98, and your house was the first place I drove it, and we stripped the sticker graphics off right that's, down in there with your heat right. gun. That's right. Then, uh, yep. I think, what was it, Mike painted the mural on the tailgate, I believe. Yep, Mike did that. Yep, there was actually two different ones, uh, the first one. And then uh, Mike, uh, he's a local friend of all of ours and a musician, painter, you know, kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of thing, but he did that airbrushing. And it was pretty wild and wacky. I got some pictures of it somewhere. I'll have to find some and put them up on the uh, on the page. Yeah, I figured I'll post a picture of the Civic, and maybe we can find some pictures of your other ones, too. I'll put them up on the I'll Instagram and Facebook page for people to check out. Speaking of the blue F-150, we took a trip to Endless Summer in 1998, and we had a good time there. Uh, oh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that trip. Well, let's see here. My, no, we had a good time. So we, you know, it's about oh, about a 20-hour haul if you drive it straight, I guess, 24, somewhere in there. And uh, so I bought this 98 F-150, standard cab, two-wheel drive. And I bought this truck thinking, I, I live on the coast. I don't need air conditioning. So, of course, I didn't <laughs> bring it for that. 
and it's a you know just a five-speed stick shift vinyl floor two-wheel drive basic and so two other buddies of mine we ended up loading up in that truck now mind you you were ahead of us by about an hour or what, about eight hours or so about a half day yeah i think so i know matt and i we left in his nissan which i just got yep. done body dropping and bagging in my driveway out in the gravel yep. it was like throw some bags in and let's go <laughs> so as well 16 inch chevy uh four by wheels yeah yeah it was actually one of the first couple three body drop trucks in the northwest way yep. back then i'll have to post a picture of that too sick ride but we ended up taking off and going like could be and i drove as far as i could and finally scott and i anyway we bounced back and forth and we got there and going through the desert you know whatnot they uh we had our uh, our third guy with us his name escapes me at the moment but i remember it was hot and it was so bloody hot i couldn't even keep the window down because i was actually getting more i was getting hotter from the air versus just keeping it slightly cracked Going through the desert, probably 100 degrees, and we're not, you know, I'm a, I'm a fat, white, pasty ginger kid from the Northwest, you know, what do I know about heat? So we're rolling through the desert at 85, 90 mile an hour, and the other guy, he was a smaller fellow, decides to crawl down on the uh, floorboard and fall asleep. So it's hot in the cab, but it's even hotter, obviously, down there. Well, he ends up waking up, and all I can see is this bewildered look on his face, and one whole side of his face is beet red, and it's got the imprint of the vinyl floor on the side of his face, cheek, side of his face, everything. It was, I mean, I couldn't, I was about to piss my pants, I was laughing too damn hard. But, no, man, the the trip trip there was epic. I remember exactly what that desert, I'd gone through it a few times, and that year, now, as soon as you said half of his face being red, Matt was driving, and he had the ragtop open on that <laughs> Nissan that we drove down. And I remember right. the sun shining down. We were just beat tired. Of course, we drove straight through like you did. And we hit that desert there by Barstow and right there by Death Valley. Right. Man, the sun's there, and half of his face is beat red, just burning up. <laughs> And I go, man, dude, you're going to look like Two-Face from Batman. And he's like, well, at least on the way back, I can get the other side of my face. And we're like, we're like, oh, yeah. And you're not thinking that, well, the sun only comes in half the ragtop. Right. But he's thinking, well, if we're going the opposite direction, it'll get the other half. That's how tired and beat we were. You just, oh, that was a good time. Just funny. Yeah, you know, it was, too. I, I remember, you know, mind you, for all the listeners and stuff, this was pre-texting, pre, I mean, we had cell phones, the big old flip phones, but, you know, service wasn't great everywhere, and so there were, you know, you didn't have no GPS or nothing, and so I remember we'd call and see where you guys were, you know, and, and uh, where you at? And, oh, we're, uh, where are you guys at? And, and, and I remember I was either you or whoever I talked to, you or Matt or, or whatnot, they'd always, they'd always, we'd tell you where we were, and you'd be, oh, yeah, no, we're just in front of you like an hour. So I remember just stepping on it thinking, okay, we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him. And next <laughs> thing I know, we call you, and we're still like six to eight hours away or something, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're here. And I'm going, how the, what, where did, and anyway, finally later on, yeah. And then when we went there, that was, I think, the first year they started you used to be able to put independent on your back window instead of a club logo and then they changed the rule and we had to have a club logo so matt and i before you guys got there we drove down to some little store and i bought craft paper and scotch tape and scissors and i cut out a bunch <laughs> of logos that said asphalt junkies and, that's right yeah and we all rolled around with taped on paper letters on the back window that said <laughs> asphalt junkies because they wouldn't let us in the show if we didn't have a club name <laughs> oh that's right yeah and that was down was that that was 
Pause Park, Arizona, right? Yes, good old La Paz County Park, all right there yeah. on the river. That's right. Yeah, when we were off in that nice little, like, kind of little far end of the of the park, you know, the cul-de-sac or what have you. And Yeah, that um, was the end of the cruise strip that everybody cruised on. It had that yep. circle down at the very end, and, man, that was a prime camp location. Everybody that, nice. that cruised had to go right on by you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they weren't whizzing by me. It was nice and slow. And Oh, yeah, it was a good place to make sandwiches. That it was. Speaking of making sandwiches, <laughs> let's talk about middle of the day, you making cheese sandwiches sitting on an ice chest with your shorts and underwear around your ankles. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll elaborate on that a little bit. So, yeah, here it is midday, and, you know, I'm hungry, and, of course, we're we're ballers on a budget down there, you know, so we're uh, we're high-balling high it with cheese sandwiches and a lot of them. Well, granted, it was hot there. I mean, it was definitely Very. hot, something us from the Northwest weren't used to ever being in, like 116 degrees or something during the day. Right. But do you remember you, you us laughing, you making cheese sandwiches shorts and underwear around your ankles sitting there on the ice chest i don't know oh, if you're yeah. trying to cool your nut sack or what you were doing but it it must have been i mean it was yeah it was a sticky situation so i was trying to you know just take take, take my body core temp down a, a degree or two but no i just decided for whatever reason to let it all hang out and here i am making my sandwich in front of god and everybody yeah you know? and then to make it better here comes this truck everybody driving by and they got their signs show us your tits whatever and right here comes this truck everybody standing up in the back of it and here's this guy completely naked and holding a sign that says show us your dick right right right, right. right. and then what do you yeah. do hey stand up that was the uh Off, yeah i <laughs> offer the guy a cheese sandwich <laughs> right, shuffle yeah. on over there give him a sandwich and a high five shuffle back and we're like oh my god some of that stuff it's a good thing we didn't have the camera phones and youtube like we do now oh we'd have been in trouble i <laughs> I'd have been divorced before I was married. Um, yeah, no, there was, it was probably a, there was a good reason they didn't have that stuff back then, so we didn't have evidence. <laughs> yeah. The co-ed showers, you remember that? Oh, my God, do I ever. My God, there was more meat in there than a Hickory Farms factory. <laughs> I mean, it was like, didn't it, I'm just going, what? But then the, then on the other end, you get the, you got the ladies in there, and I'm going, oh, well, yeah, this is all right. Yeah, well, it was weird because it was. there's a line for the showers, and there's both guys and girls standing in line. You're like, okay, and it's the sure. same shower. And you'd walk by, and <laughs> not all of them even had curtains. Somebody would walk out, you'd walk in, and you'd walk by, you'd glance, glance, glance. And you're like, okay, dude, 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 oh, chick taking a shower. Oh, <laughs> dude, dude, oh, chick taking a shower. And you're whoa, what the hell? Like, this is weird. Definitely something that we weren't used to, being where no. we were from. No, coming from small-town USA and seeing stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was some good mental uh, mental images some not so good oh yeah and then the one passenger that was with you that got his face burnt and riding on the floorboards <laughs> whose name we won't mention we'll kind of save the innocent here Wait. due to you know his lifestyle nowadays and yeah, marriage and that, that may or may not have been his 21st birthday yeah we'll lean on the probably side of that and he had a good time and decided <laughs> to enter the men's wet boxer contest right 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 oh yeah and took second place yes he did yes, yes he did yeah. and uh <laughs> proceeded to grab the microphone out of the MC's hand and uh, <laughs> let him know how good good old Aberdeen is. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. My name's blank motherfucker blank. Today's my twenty first birthday. I'm from Washington, and we don't fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> and before the guy could get the mic back out of his hand and then 
he was uh, definitely a riot. He was he was definitely uh, damn near the life of the party. Oh yeah, that was a good time. And then speaking of that show and your F one fifty, at that time you'd only had the air ride on the back of it, and yeah. you couldn't lower the front. You could only lower the back. And I remember you riding around in that thing with the back aired out, and everybody yep. making fun of you and saying, "Let the front down, put the air, lift the back, let the front down." Truck looks stupid yep. like that. And now here a few years later, all of a sudden people were driving around cruising like that and calling it rolling Cali. Well, you know what? I like to think you're the one that started that. <laughs> yeah. But back then, well, oh God, what did I end up? I think I bought, I bought a cheap, you know, I didn't have, I, shit, I still lived at home. Uh, for during, well, at least when I bought that truck, but I relied on all of you guys, you know, all the, the older club members that had garages and tools and this and that. I mean, you know, I had the basics at the house, but I never had anything, you know, cutting or welding, anything of that sort of, you know, or the skills to do it back then either. I was, you know, still learning. Um, well, as I'm always learning, but anyway, I had bought a, uh, Bolton C notch and a Firestone set of, set of Firestone, uh, 2500s for the rear. And I had a compressor and, uh, it was actual, it was one of the old yellow uh, Firestone compressors. And I never had a tank and I never had, um, yeah, there was no valves, no nothing. So I had this compressor mounted beside my speaker box behind my seat, but just to my left where I could reach back with my left hand and I had a toggle switch back there, I could turn it off or on. Now, if I wanted to air this thing out slow, I would actually have to take the core out of the valve stem that was there uh, as was kind of like, well, it was plugged into the uh, to the uh, compressor anyway, and I can air it out fast. But I had the C-notch in there, and I had a set of drop spindles and springs in the front, but in, back then, 17s, I could have fit 20s under that, but they were so expensive, and they were, like I say, baller on a budget. I had 17s on there, and I wanted to beg the front so bad, and I never, ever, ever did before I sold the truck. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember that the other day, whether you'd actually bag the front or not. I didn't remember. But anyways, I like to give you credit for creating that rolling Cali look that everybody likes to cruise. I won't give you credit, or if I were you, I wouldn't take credit for the old Carolina squat look on the 4x4 trucks doing that. But uh, Right, yeah, yeah, that's always, that's a good thing. I thought that came from Aberdeen, didn't it? <laughs> well, it could have been. Yeah. I wouldn't say <laughs> no, that too well. People would think that was you too. <laughs> but, right, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's uh <laughs> No, it was it was a good time. That was a that was a, definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite rides. And uh, then of course life happened, and uh, had to have more room for a kid. That's we all know how that goes. Well, not maybe all of us, but I do. Yeah. Then sometime after that F one fifty, you had the old Caprice, the cop car looking Caprice. And I know we took a trip to one of the Rezos, one of the many Rezos I'd went to, but we took a trip to Resolutions there in yep. California one year. Early nineties uh, there. Yep, and that was a good time. No, that was definitely good. The flames you laid out on that, yeah, it, uh, that was that was a cool car. Flames front to rear, it was uh, matte black, and oh, I think the flames on that one were they were silver. Yeah, they were like a metallic silver. Yeah. And uh, yeah, on the roof trunk, everything that that was it was fun. But yeah, we I remember it was what Christmas yeah. Day that we left. Yeah. Well, resolutions for those that don't know used to be a oh man, it went for years, thirty some years, forty years. Right. I don't know, but it was New Year's weekend or as close to New Year's weekend as it could be every year. So we would all leave Christmas. I know when I was younger, my kids we'd always open presents before, and then I'd go to resolutions. It was like it was my yearly thing. But yeah. I think you're right. I think. We 
we did leave on Christmas morning that year. Yeah, that was, I think it was after we got done with Christmas and whatnot. And yeah, it was kind of, uh, oh shoot, I had, there was four people, I had four people in there. Uh, there was myself, there was Kevin Heller, Get there was Ben butter. Neal, and there was, you're going to remember his name before me, but I can't. Rich Fry. That's right, correct, Rich. Yeah, anyway, we all took off, and of course, battling those you know, the seasons, you're going to have probably some crappy weather throughout the passes and whatnot, which we had to climb through. But going there wasn't bad at all. It was uh, not bad. And that, that car was uh, notched in the rear, not bodied or anything, but bagged all the way around. And uh, everything was on CO2. So we had to pack extra CO2 with us. And yep. I believe you guys had left before us again um, on that one. And yep. we were going down in fall where, you know, we weren't too far behind. But yeah, we left and uh, it was a uh, it was a good trip. Drove straight through, man. That was uh, my, that was my only time to Resolves as well, as long with the Endless. I've only been to each, each show one time. That was oh, that yeah. was fun. Well, I do remember on the way there because you caught up with us before Bakersfield, and That's right. yes, we did leave before you, but you caught up or we waited or somehow we met up. But I remember right about Bakersfield, one of us needed gas really bad, and why we didn't stop in Bakersfield, I have no idea. But we decided that we were going to wait until just outside of Bakersfield on the other side of it and then we took that exit went down a little ways and there was that little store gas station where we probably should never have went <laughs> I, I now that you say that I do vaguely remember that yeah we pulled up and you could look through the front door and see the line of porn magazines looking through the door <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And we got gas, and we all sat there and took turns going inside and using the bathroom, and you had to walk through the store, and it was, like, built on the front of the house, <laughs> and there was rows and rows of shoes on these shelves, like, right. where in the back room, and you was like, okay, these guys kill people and take their shoes for souvenirs, or what are all these shoes doing here? And we were out there <laughs> and getting gas, and we'd got gas, and you guys were still filling up, and there was a guy, while we were pumping, got had borrowed a Lincoln Navigator with 22s or 4s, or whatever they were big for the time i know that sure had his civic on the back of the trailer there there's a guy out there on a cell phone he's got a drink in one hand and a cell phone in the other and he's like hey yeah yeah you you got to come down here yeah no i'm not kidding no they're they huge no they're huge come on and then he looks right at scott and he's like what size wheels on this thing scott's like 22s i think they were 20s he's like and right. the guy's like yeah no they're 22s i'm telling you man get the boys to come on down and we're these guys are gonna steal our wheels we need to leave and i remember being on the little walkabout walkie talkie you're like gotta go we gotta go yeah, like up. <laughs> come on we gotta go and you're like we can't we're still waiting for butter <laughs> like, <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> yeah always waiting and on butter that place was like i remember that store was like something out of a uh, like a rob zombie movie the guy pulling like, up in a station wagon walking in buying a 40 coming out chugging the thing down throwing it in the parking lot and driving off yeah yeah it, it was, was like al, al bundy meets rob zombie yes and it was yeah. nighttime when we were there i guess i should say that yeah yeah it wasn't the most well, probably wasn't the best place to stop but you know i mean we, we i don't know got in there and got out anyway and well and then after that we ended up shoot it was a couple we had a couple two three hours before we ended up getting to the uh to the desert to where uh, the show was yeah there right. good old rockahula water park the rockahula water park that's right that was and, a good time uh, that, yeah just that was just outside of mojave too was it yeah i, I believe so barstow kind of area yeah right right 
right? Yeah, Barstow. I actually had to go down there and work a few years ago, and it's sad. I drove by there, the old Rockahoola, and it's all chain link around it. Everything's torn down and gutted, and there's graffiti everywhere. And I was like, man, I was thinking back about the resolutions there and just oh, brought back memory. some good memories, yeah. I remember going there, and I'm thinking, ah, you know, it's going to be the desert, you know, right? So, so even though it's wintertime, it's going to be the desert. So I planned accordingly, so I thought. And uh, I think I brought one pair of pants, and the rest were shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I brought one sleeping bag, no other blankets, and my my tent and uh, whatever. And I remember that first night, I was shivering like a wet dog <laughs> trying to shit a peat seed because it was so freaking cold, and I couldn't freaking bear it. And I'm like, it's down in the 30s, and I'm like, we're in the d- 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 desert, you know. And dude, that, that was, was every one of us. And then when the sun had come up, you just strip everything off. Yeah, it was hotter than hell. Yeah, crazy. I do remember that. Yeah, and then that I was think we, we learning learning curve. Everybody went into town and got blankets and sleeping bags. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then going into town, old Scott Sim- had the uh, 18s and 20s all laid out on the rockers and, and that right. and all black and shaved but he didn't have the rear tubs in at the time and we followed him into town and yeah and him and his brother kevin butter they were riding in there and all of a sudden you see him stop hit the brakes on the road and kevin grabbed the back of his head because he got hit in the back of the head with a rock (laughs) oh i love it i remember that you know we we were joking like how are you going to tell your insurance company you got a rock chip on the inside of the windshield (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, that is right. That car was fun too, and I liked it. I mean, it was it was it was pretty slick. I mean, all black and whatnot before you guys ended up painting it and whatnot. But yeah, that was that was some interesting times, man. Oh, stuff, yeah. stuff that you you don't even think about back then. It's like eh, whatever, whatever yeah. it takes to get it to the show. Yep, good trip. On the way back, we decided to all go to Magic Mountain in California. Oh, there's a story for you. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd never been. I'd never been, and we were all looking forward to it. You know, let's go to Magic Mountain and have a good time and everything else. And you know, once again, pre pre GPS. You know, so pre, gotta, pre gotta GPS do everything and, you can. And on our walkie talkies again, we stopped <laughs> yeah. at a rest stop because we had to go over a pass. Stop right. at a rest stop right before the pass or halfway up the pass. And everybody takes a pee break. And Scott and I figured, oh, we're towing a car. You guys aren't. We're gonna get a little head start up this pass because we're gonna get slow down anyway lugging up the hill so we take off and then we're waiting for you guys to catch up we keep getting on a little walkabout walkie-talkie and we're like galen hey anybody hear us anybody hear us and <laughs> we're rolling down the other side of the pass and all of a sudden we can see the roller coasters and we're like whoa and then all of a sudden here you are we can hear you and we're like whoa you see those roller coasters and here you are you goddamn mother effers god i'm ready to turn around go back home you leave me at the guy ga- i don't know where i'm going god dang you know oh i freaked out man i was so i was so like i'm I I forget who the hell I was waiting on, but I'm like, let's go. It was butter again. Such a little guy, man. He has a lot of his peel up. Yeah, but, uh, man, I remember being so freaked out because it's like I didn't know where the hell I was going, you know. And everybody's like, oh, we'll be fine. And they're all laughing at my ass, you know, in the car. And I'm like, fuck you guys, you know. And I'm like, they're, you know, and I'm like, how can they be so far ahead? They're towing a car for Pete's sake going uphill. Oh, I and, just remember Scott and I, us, and we had Scott's wife, Lacey, and then my ex in the vehicle. And I remember us all like, just going quiet and got this look on our face. Um, okay, do we say something back or... 
Yeah, I lost like, my shit. Because you were just like, uh, oh, for fuck, damn sure. fuck I the goddamn roller coasters. Of course, we, we get to Magic Mountain and not ever being there, you know, and it was whatnot. And it was like, all right, uh, I'm better now. Yeah, you settled down. And then, of course, being scared of heights, which people probably don't Slightly, know. Slightly, yes. Yes, scared of heights. And so you want to go on the smaller roller coaster. So we're walking, <laughs> trying to find a smaller roller coaster. Right. We walk uphill, walk uphill, go up the hill. And you're like, how about this one? You're like, yeah, okay. And you're still, you know, you're sitting there. You're shaking pretty good. You're still not wanting to go on a roller coaster, but you're making yourself. And we get right. on there and there's a little hill that we had to go up first. And then I remember getting to the top of that thing and cresting over. And all of a sudden it was like a huge drop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you about tearing the headrest off the seat in front of you. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I still remember when we come up over that and I seen that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You're yelling you at know, the top of your lungs. What, why me? Oh, oh, God, I'm going to die. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a dead man, you know. And I can't remember. Some of them, I think your feet were dangling down and whatnot. And I'm just oh, like, yeah. just shutting my eyes. I'm like, just let it be over, please. <laughs> We still had a, you know, a stinking 18-hour drive home or whatever. And then we went on, I think, didn't you maybe go on one other ride, like the wooden roller coaster or something? I did on that one. There's, Yeah, there's a bunch I did not go on. Yes, I know the Superman. I actually have no. a, a picture somewhere around here that has all of us together at that posing for a picture that they took of us there at the Superman ride, the one that goes straight up in the air and drops you back down. Oh, yeah, I remember I, 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 I watched you guys while I was on the ground on that Yeah, one. I know you didn't go on that one, but... <laughs> That was, yeah, we, uh, that was insane. We found out for like $7 more, you could get a pass for the next day. And I know That's you right. guys in your vehicle, you guys had to head home, but we decided to stay. And right. on the way back, you did hit snow on the way back. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so see, I totally forgot. That's right. You guys did stay that uh, to go back and go the extra day. And well, yeah, so we decided to head back. And uh, I had uh, I'd been doing the bulk of the driving, you know, my car type of thing. So we... Oh, let's see, there was the first pass we came to, and I'm like, man, you know, we're climbing, climbing, and, you know, it's saying snow advisory and all this and that, and, you know, mind you, we're in a lowered car, you know, I mean, we're in a bagged ride, and, you know, low pro, I, oh, I said 20s on there, with some, I don't know, I think some 35, 40 series tires, something like that. Either way, not an exact uh, snow machine. And so it's daylight, and we're cruising, and pretty soon it's more snow, more snow, more snow, compact snow and ice, so on and so forth. I decide, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to pull over and I'm going to let Ben drive. So Ben takes over the uh, the driver's seat and gets in there. Of course, I just finished painting this car. Probably been working on it about a year, you know, like any of us don't want to wreck your car. But, you know, we got to get home. And so we ended up uh, switching seats and he took off. So all of a sudden we're getting... Uh, Top of the top of the pass, we start coming down the other side, and we're uh, we got a barrier to our left. We're in the in the passing lane, and we got a 18 wheeler to our right, and that car starts going sideways, and so it starts going sideways to where I'm headed towards the 18 wheeler. I start freaking out. I'm grabbing the wheel, telling him to counter steer, counter steer, counter steer. Now this is the the picture that's still painted in my head to this day. He's got a rock star <laughs> in his left hand. He's got one hand on the wheel, drinking this rock star steering this thing like it's a drift car you know like something out of the fast and furious so i got you know i got he's over here doing his thing and he doesn't have a care in the world no no worry no nothing and before i knew it the car was back in line we were good he drove for a little while longer and then uh i got back in yep. so 
Yeah, that was uh, that was eventful. Now on your guys's end, talk about yeah, you guys had a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a snafu. I mean, you you got to stay that extra day, but and what ended up happening there? Yeah, on the way back, you guys barely made it through the snow, but we got a little ways up the pass, and the road was blocked. We couldn't go. And, of course, back then, like you're talking about ballers on a budget, we had so much money, but Scott and I, we were like, oh, we got a little extra money. Let's stay another day. And I had enough. I was like, I'll pay for a hotel room for us. So the four of us got a hotel room and went to Magic Mountain, had a great time, rode the rest of the rides and everything. And then we headed back and got stopped. And, of course, the pass was closed. And, of course, since it was the way back, we had no money for another hotel room barely had enough money for gas to get back so we slept right there on the exit woke up the next morning and the road was unblocked so we went up a little bit further and then the roads blocked again and i think that the rest of this story i'll probably say for when i have scott heller as a guest on this show and well if i don't finish the story then i guess everybody they're just left hanging hopefully i remember to finish the story Yeah, that was that was a definitely a good time. But yeah, I mean, it was like you say. I mean, we got lucky on the one way. Everything we blazed right through, and uh, you know. But on the trip back, me losing my mind. Uh, <laughs> thinking that I'm, I'm lost and uh yeah and then the uh, the whole uh, sideways uh, experience on the top of the pass and uh yeah we it was a good time though definitely memorable that's for dang sure we definitely had some great trips i mean we could go on for oh, probably yeah. 50 episodes on trips just you and i have taken together but yes so one of the trips that we've gone to many a times which i have failed to mention here that you are a dj and you have dj'd many of the northwest shows one yes. of those shows was the famous drop zone in salem oregon and for those that don't know what drop zone is it was a three-day truck run and legend in its own time got mini truck and magazine show of the year the last year that it was held you were a dj there but one year you weren't a dj correct and you brought your rat rod that you built and i remember way back when and i talked about this house a little bit prior to our interview the am pm house that i lived at oh yeah And I'd had my right ear pierced. I no longer wear them, but I had my right ear pierced when I was 18. And then when I was in my mid-20s and lived at that house, my mom had actually, I had her pierce my other ear. And I remember you commenting and saying, wow, that's cool. I like it. But I don't think I could ever get a piercing or any tattoos or anything, which is is kind of funny seeing as how you have plenty of piercings and you're fully much covered in tattoos. Yeah, yeah, I kind of went the other way with that. It uh, never really. (laughs) never really figured out exactly how that happened but it was yeah it was actually my first tattoo would have been oh not to get off subject here but I I always uh, my timeline in my life of how I've done things is by vehicles and so it was when I had my 91 Civic um, with the hydros on it that was uh, that would have been the uh, matter of fact a a picture recently just popped up I think it was like last week two weeks ago whereas a picture popped up with me and I had no tattoos and I was at the Vanessa Island show in that car and and I just look back at that and I think, man, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, yeah, here it is now, you know, 20-some plus years later. And, yeah, look at me go, Mom. Speaking of that year, you didn't DJ at Drop Zone and had your nope. rat rod. And speaking yep. of tattoos, there's one tattoo you have that I was present for. And that was at Drop Zone that year. And we were cruising around in your rat rod. And we happened to drive inside the pavilion where the, they parked the show show vehicles. And we were driving yep. through there looking at them. And I overhear that DJ say, free Hugh Hefner tattoo the first one that comes to the tattoo stand and i'm like hey you hear that galen free hugh hefner tattoo and you're like what so we drive over there and you go and i remember there's three hand-drawn pictures of hugh hefner and they were right okay 
and the one you got was the best out of the three, and it was a younger version of Hugh Hefner. And yeah, a young Hugh with a Playboy bunny. I'm staring at it right now. It's on my left calf. And I remember you asking the guy, "Hey, can you at least put a Playboy bunny next to it so people will know who it is?" <laughs> right. That was the thing, man. And I was about, you know, I, I I was feeling pretty good. I had a good buzz going on. I was bleeding like a stuck pig. But yeah, that was uh, that's the only tattoo I have on that leg. Oh wow, yeah, I did not know that. Of course, I never yeah. really pay attention to where you have tattoos everywhere. But well, you know, unless I'm making cheese sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. I don't know how many you had at that time, but <laughs> right, yeah, you I definitely was, I was didn't have Hugh cannabis. Hefner on there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was before I had, uh, you know, uh, gone gone off, gone south. The whole drop zone was good for having a few drinks and getting either tattoos or, or piercings or one year a bunch of us guys we decided to all get our nipples pierced including me i remember walking in there and that was donnie he was one of the club members that has uh gone solo customs now yep. and the king tuck truck his sister was the tattoo artist and hot ha- rod betty's that's right hot rod betty's renee wasn't that her name, Renee? I, be- I believe that sounds right. I-, I think that's it. But I remember going up there and sitting down and asking her, I'm like, hey, Renee, I want to get my nipples pierced. How much to uh, pierce my nipples? And she's like, for you? Yeah. She goes, oh, $40. I'm like, really? What do I got to do? And of course, we'd been all <laughs> drinking. And she's like, oh, just sign this paper saying you haven't been drinking. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I remember uh, Ben and-, and Barry, my neighbor there. Children. Yeah. And a few others. We decided that we're all, well, we'll all get our nipples done. And Ben had one done and not the other and he was going to get his other one done and and i just remember them saying hey oh the one over your heart hurts the worst and i asked her i'm like hey what one are you going to do first i've heard the one over your heart hurts worse and she's like oh we'll do them tandem and i'm what she's like oh both at the same time i'm like okay being there half buzzed and remember lifting up my shirt and her putting pen marks on there looking at my nibbles i'm going and and about that time i'm thinking yeah i'm not going to get this done and then i turn around and there's like 50 to 100 people looking at me for to watch me get my nibbles I'm like, well, I can't back out now. So, yeah, I just lay down on this table. And I remember this older lady, probably my age now or younger, but she had a barbell in her neck and tattoos everywhere and piercings on her face. Kind of scary look. Then this younger girl that was an apprentice, you know, was on the other side. And I remember they were like, okay, take a deep breath in. And it was, well, that old lady, it was in there, done, ball on. And that young girl's, oh, come on, get it done, get it done. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, it was definitely some good stories we'll have to have butter on so butter can share some uh piercing <laughs> stories from shows because his top all of ours uh, that's for oh sure. he's got quite the few oh and then and then remember from drop zone also came the uh the page the partypage.net which i think that we all may have uh, uh there may have been a few of our significant others that were on that, that page at one point or another uh, yeah so, we, we've definitely gotten a little older and a little less i don't know rambunctious or rowdy or free spirited right. or whatever you want to call it well it's fun now to be able to come up and sit up on the stage when you know we're, we're all uh, we're all together and watch everybody else you know do their thing at, at the age we were <laughs> yeah it is kind of fun and then they all kind of look at you like you're an old dude and you're like yeah you don't even know yeah like you think yeah. this is bad you should have like, gone you'll, to you'll, you'll figure it out yeah you think this is bad you should have gone to a van run <laughs> right oh yeah yeah the van runs were definitely probably as far as memories go man i've got equally as many to uh to share there i think and it was uh the first i, I can't remember i think it was just gary Hines and myself that went to the first one or we 
you guys there too? Down in Molino. All right, you're kind of cutting out a little bit. Oh, I was going to say down in Molino, Oregon there at Vanity Island. Yeah, Jerry Hines and myself. And uh, I know I had, I, I, it's kind of hazy back then. He had his S10 uh, that had the swords airbrushed on the side. And then I had my, uh, I had that 74, that Chevy Love. That, and, I, and I had a, uh, I had a hydraulic tilt bed on that that Josh Leahy had, had uh, done for me. That's right. And speaking of that show, I think that's the first time that I'd ever seen you drunk because I know you really didn't drink back then. And Not a lot. John Pino had John's Slammer Bar, where if you did <laughs> 10 yep. shots in a row, you got the magnet that said, I've been slammed at John's yep. Slammer Bar. And you had to have one of those magnets. So yep. you went and did the 10 shots. Oh, and, that's right. Yes, and came over, and we're telling everybody, and then stood against the wall and slowly melted down the wall. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have that. Uh, I still have a plaque from uh, from there sitting in the garage. I've got a, like two or three of them in my toolbox. The van runs by far. Those are probably, I mean, I've got memories and favorite shows and stuff, but I would have to say overall, the van runs were my favorite. They were so cool. Yeah. Oh, and to think about that's kind of how it all started, you know? At the time, you know, we thought all those guys in their 40s and 50s were <laughs> these old yeah. whatever, and here we are in our 40s and 50s, and we're like, hell yeah, man. Now you understand it but when we were young we always looked at them like man these guys are wild these guys are crazy oh crazy yeah i mean just absolutely yeah never never understood you know i'm thinking man these guys are out here partying like this and they're this old you know and they're like <laughs> rock stars and whatnot and then now you know there's a few of them that are still out there yes that that we see that are still you know still partying still doing the same thing and they're up in their 60s now yes you know? and i know mike that yep bubba Yep, Bubba out at Wishkoff still does his yearly camp out thing there. Yeah, Roscoe Crowell. Oh, yeah, I actually see Roscoe. I belong to a one of the Northwest Vanner Facebook yep. pages, and I see Ma, that was Ma Shit from the Shit Run, the South Hill Independent yep. Truckers. I see Roscoe on there. Yeah, and I, they're still doing their thing, still out there doing it. Probably still yep. out partying us all. Yeah, they actually invited me out there to the one for the uh, 4th of July, and John Stoner, uh, if you remember him, he was in the mix too back then as well. Oh, yeah, yep. I still, I got John on social media and still chat with him once in a great while. Yeah, no, it's uh, we might meet up out there actually over the fourth, so we'll see what happens. Oh, that'd be cool. People yeah, probably listen to this after the fourth. Still, they get to hear the story about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely! Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll we'll do a do a part two at some point. You know. Oh, most uh, definitely. Those were all definitely, uh, yeah, memorable times, man. So, other than we didn't talk about your Harley or your chopper or whatever, you took a trip to Sturgis, and maybe we'll save that for a future episode. But is there anything you're working on or building currently? There is actually. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, I've got two things in the works. Uh, one that I've had more recently than another. Uh, I've got a. Uh, uh, well, about twenty two, twenty three years ago, I had a sixty seven Impala. Uh, fastback that I really liked and uh, about four or five years ago I set out to find another and I did and anyway I've been currently working on that uh, it's in the uh, paint and body I mean paint and body is uh, uh, it's roughed in uh, engines currently out uh, putting in a new small block it's got an airlift air ride set up on it one tank dual buyer compressors 20 oh I got RE6s I believe all the way around um, it's a good car it's just laid out on a set of uh, 13, no, 14 7 Supremes with a set of white walls uh, just put in a uh, moon eye steering wheel not too long ago a little uh, nine incher <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's a it's a fun car, man. Just kind of making it a good cruiser, nothing too too crazy with it. And then also, I have a uh, a Carmen Ghia project that I'm uh, going to hopefully here be doing a Subaru swap in before too long. Wow. Yeah, I, did, I knew you had the Impala. I didn't know you had the Carmen Ghia. The Ghia is yeah. It's kind of I had my eyes on a uh, I wanted a early '60s, and I ended up kind of settling for a uh, late '60s. It was a six, pre '68 was what I was looking for, and then um, I I don't know currently if I'm going to do the uh, Subaru. 2.2 swap in it just yet or if I want to stay more true to it and just stick with the air cooled but uh, that that will be when it's all said and done it'll be you know scraping rockers static drop only um, just going down that route right well that'll so. be cool we actually my wife Michelle and I we walked once upon a time in Hollywood oh yes Yes, and Brad Pitt drives the convertible Carmagia. And yep, yep. yes, and Michelle, she says, what, what kind of car is that? And I said, Oh, it's Carmagia. <laughs> and she says, A Volkswagen? Yeah. And she goes, They have those around here? I'm like, Oh, yeah. No. Well, what are they called? And I said, A Carmagia. And anyway, she's like, Oh, I, I'd like to have one of those. You know, and I'm thinking she probably seen them before, but just never seen a convertible one. Right. Well, the convertibles look so much different, too. You know, I mean, the, the lines on them are still the same, you know, as far as like the body lines to like you and me. But when you see one on a hard top versus a, uh, but the convertibles, man neat cars i uh i've been doing a lot of research on uh, pinterest and whatever but that's going to kind of be i just got to remember that i got to get the impala rolling before i even yes. tackle the uh the gear need to get that thing done and get out there and, well once everything opens back up get out there and start enjoying stuff again yeah yeah that's the whole goal right now i got pretty much every part and piece i need i'm just just doing the uh the rebuild and uh get it in and go from there just uh not like say nothing too fancy it'll just be nice to have a good solid uh, power plant in it and uh go out and enjoy maybe actually be able to well with all the shows that I do tunes for, it would be nice to, you know, be able to attend some with the car to where I don't have to play music and I can just go and just kind of enjoy and hang. <laughs> yeah, not have to work the show as a DJ. <laughs> right. <laughs> Always a good time. Oh, yeah. And you still DJ shows. You still like Northwest, the Awakening, relaxing in the Northwest show. You're DJ there, even though they don't yep. have it this year. But So you're still yeah, up and at it, still doing careful. the DJ. Yeah, yep. Still trying to stay active with that, at least in the show scene and stuff, at least a couple, two, three events a year, you know, just to just to stay out there and stay current on what's going on. So we've talked about some of your vehicles and all that. So do you want to give out your social media and so people can check out photos and pictures and kind of see what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. the uh, As far as uh, you can catch me on Instagram, uh, my Instagram account, I'm kind of off and on, but uh, trying to keep it more current. It's uh, HugeJohnson74. And that is, uh, once again, on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, just under my uh, my my full name and uh i am trying to um, yeah spice up the instagram account a little bit uh it was doing pretty good there for a while and then i uh, kind of slacking off since all the uh stuff started happening but other than that getting back into the swing of things and just trying to uh move forward start making some cool stuff i know how that goes i'm kind of a slacker on instagram myself i should probably post more on there i mostly post on facebook i try right for this podcast i've got a page for both i'm gonna try to get going on that i'm um, is there anybody on social media, Instagram, Facebook, anything that you think people should check out or follow? You know, uh, one of the people that uh, that I, the, the, well, it's a fellow out of, uh, he's I believe he's out of Myrtle, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, Village Customs oh. is somebody that I follow and uh, definitely give them a shout out. But they, uh, I've never met the guy, but I will tell you what, he builds some incredible, incredible rat rods. He has just a lot of uh, a lot of amazing skill, but he's, he's one that I follow quite, uh, being somebody that I do not know. Um, as far as that goes, I mean, we have a lot of local cool, lot of you know, local hot rod shops and scenes around the area and stuff too. But I don't have any uh, account names or there for reference. But yeah, we do definitely have a, a cool custom culture scene, or as far as uh, catering to you know, mostly a lot of your older cars and stuff like that in, in our area. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's for sure. That's the harbor there. I used to always tell people that per capita has got to be one of the most hot rod custom car areas there is. I mean, it's like everybody's got one. Sure. It, it probably due to the fact it rains so much that you got nothing else to do but work on a car. <laughs> that's about it, too. Yeah. But uh, we'll definitely check out Village Customs. And me, I have a couple. I think that one of our good friends, I, I'm going to have him as a guest in the future here. His name is Nathan Kaler. And he's, oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Check out Nathan. His Instagram is Nathan in as in Washington, that's N-A-T-H-A-N-I-N-W-A, or he's under his regular name on Facebook. I don't know if that's a private account or not. He has been into mini trucks and sand rails and rock crawlers and currently into drag racing, and he has a 240Z car with a Toyota Straight 6, and he is a hell of a fabricator, and I mean, just all-around smart automotive individual. He is an incredibly, uh, you know, as, I mean, incredible incredibly self-taught so his talent is is just insane you know i mean it's uh i, I can say the same about yourself i mean you you guys have you know both inspired me on so many levels uh, you know as you know uh, others have as well but just you know the, the times where you've helped me uh you know from like learning how to paint and then like you know nathan just watching all his skills like you say with his racing and, and rails and whatnot yeah it's, it's definitely neat to uh need to watch and see the progress that uh you know everybody has with their uh, with their rides and their passions yes i appreciate kind words there but definitely oh, check yeah out Nathan. He builds all of his own intakes and exhaust turbo manifolds and chassis and he's right. he was one of the very first people to start using mega squirt setups and he's good friends with yep. the guy that owns it and it's pretty cool and I know he's redone that car I believe that broke the, the sixes or he's trying to break the six. I know it ran sevens yep. but yep. yeah he, he wins grudge matches and everything all the time so if you're into that kind of thing or if you just like to see cool fabrication make sure to check Nathan out. Absolutely. Another one I have is I love art especially auto automotive art i have a huge collection thousands of automotive art pictures saved on my computer and stuff one of my favorite artists his name is gary Campisi. i hope i pronounced that right but it's g-a-r-y-c-a-m-p-e-s-i he has a website which is www.garycampisi.com and you can also look him up on facebook both nathan and gary have some stuff on instagram but like me and galen we post more on facebook definitely check them out i will definitely have to check him out i haven't seen his stuff before oh man he futuristic and rat rods and old stuff and i don't know he's just it seems like every artist i can pick out few paintings that are my favorite or sure. pieces but with him it's it's almost like everything's my favorite so it's hard to like pick just one but i do have a couple of his pieces hanging in my garage absolutely wow. love one of my favorites is it's rat rod and a guy standing with a kid and they're in the future like 21 something or and there's actually yeah. on his facebook there's a story that goes with it and it talks about how his great great grandfather built this car and then used to after the gas crisis or the gas went away they right. he had to brew his own fuel from like moonshine or something to drive it now it's in a futuristic museum and they're looking at it you know i absolutely love that piece yeah definitely check out nathan check out gary Campisi. i was also thinking of one more uh, i don't believe he's on social media at all but i just wanted to i'd like to give a quick little shout out to a good friend of mine named norm callahan oh, uh, yes. a local guy here and norm is very uh very into the car scene has been uh he's a i believe second or third, I believe he's third generation uh and uh, he's got a lot of he is a he builds cars as well as has a uh, automotive shop and he's also finding things like if you're ever in the need for something uh whether it could be volkswagen it could be chev ford uh anything off the wall panel vans etc cetera, etc cetera, he is a great resource for that uh he brings cars and uh, all sorts of things back from uh 
Uh, a lot of them from Montana, so they're very rust-free. But he has a, quite a collection, and he's always buying and selling. Yep, good old Storm and Norman, Norm Callahan. Yes, I've gotten parts from him in the past, too, for my old bug and all that. And, and also, he's famous for being on the TV show. Punk, or, uh, yeah, he was on uh, American, or no, uh, what was The that? Pickers. Uh, it's on the History Channel. The American Pickers, is that it? Or That's what it was. Yes, it was. He was yes. on an episode of that. That is yep, correct. So you can see Norm on American Pickers on one of the episodes. So there's another, well, semi-famous guy that's come out of Aberdeen, or Hoquim yeah. or wherever he lives. I think he actually lives in Aberdeen. Anything else you want to add to this episode? I just want to say thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the honor. I mean, it's been a great time back from uh, doing uh, in the 81 Datsun, doing three wheels in the uh, across the street from your house there uh, in the AMPM parking lot. And uh, from the time, uh, first time when I uh, you came and actually did my uh, my back logo, uh, the exclusive innovations logo, and then on the uh, the front uh, front windshield was we had the uh, the first Billy Bob Customs uh, banner that yep. was ever rolling yep. in uh, you know anywhere that uh, it was on my yellow 81 Datsun and uh, yeah just a good time man it's been a good it's been a pleasure you know getting to know you uh, like I say even in the early days uh, meeting you when Jason Hayes introduced me and you uh, from the time of going to bug naps um, I mean just like I say the stories are endless we could go on and on but yeah no thank you very much for having me and uh, I uh, hope uh, everything goes well with the show and uh, yeah well keep on, I keep on keeping on it was absolutely a pleasure chatting with you and reminiscing about old times brought back some good memories and Absolutely. thank you very much for coming on and being my first guest i guess you could say you popped my so-called interview cherry <laughs> well I, I i appreciate the opportunity to do so you know and uh yeah we'll have to we'll have to come up with some uh, fancy theme song here you know we'll make you something in the studio and you know get you a little kind of you know just a little little catchy vibe going on <laughs> but but uh yeah, we talked about the yellow sticker, or I did, earlier in the episode before you came on. And, yeah, good times. Like I said, once again, I appreciate it. I hope everybody that listened to this enjoyed it. And if you didn't enjoy it, well, thank you for giving it a try. Till next time, you need to quit roping your goat and get off the couch, go out to your garage, build something, go on an adventure, create a good story. When we meet, I want to hear all about it. Like Joe Dirt says, life's a garden, dig it. That's right. Keep on keeping on. I will chat at you all later. I'm out of here. <laughs>